Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with a special guest. He's responsible for porting the popular game A Dark Room to uh, iOS, and and the game itself actually made it to the number one spot in the Apple App Store for, uh, I think, consecutively 19 dates. We have Amir Rajan today. How are you doing, Amir? Good, good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm a little sleepy. Uh, this uh, I'm not used to the whole early morning interview uh, thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> <But> Sunday. <laughs> it's 9 a.m. over here. It's going to be earlier over yeah. there for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I'm supposed to have one of our co-hosts on here uh, kind of doing a tag interview, but I think he uh, either missed the boat or is still asleep, <laughs> but it happens. So it's uh, definitely a learning process. But regardless, I'm just I'm glad to be able to talk to you and get to get a little more background about who you are and um, the, the feat you accomplished. Oh, man, um, I wish I wish I could say that the feat I accomplished was meticulously planned and I'm some kind of mastermind, but I'm not. I, just, I think it was just a complete uh, fluke <laughs> that we made it to the number one spot. But um, but yeah, I guess I, I've been in the industry for, I'm a software developer. I've been in the industry for about, uh, man, eight, nine years. And I uh, just decided to take some time off and, and work on a video game and uh, work on something. So I decided to take a sabbatical. So I came across the darkroom. I actually hit uh, like the front page of Hacker News and I started playing it and really liked, you know, the simplicity, uh, really liked the gameplay, uh, and, it, and it looked simple. Uh, I wanted some, I wanted to build an iPhone game. Sadly, this is my first iPhone game or iPhone app in general. So I wanted to learn iOS development. And uh, I saw this game. I was like, oh, this is going to be easy to port over. And so I just uh, contacted Michael and said, hey, let me port the game over. You know, if we, if we make some money, great. If not, then at least, you know, people can play the game on iOS. So then, uh, yeah, after that, I just uh, worked on the game. There were, there were quite a few hiccups uh, with regards to like the technical difficulties of the actual game itself. But uh, I learned iOS development through building it and then, and then kind of marketed it on Reddit and uh, Twitter and just kind of grassroots kind of thing. And uh, yeah. eventually it, it did hit the number one spot. I still don't really understand uh, what caused it to hit the number one spot, which is crazy. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's funny you say you're like, sadly, it was my first iOS game. I feel like it's for most people, if your first iOS ga- uh, game gets to the top, <laughs> that's well, a pretty, pretty yeah, about that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But then it's like, what do you go? Where do you go from there? Right? <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, uh, I set the bar so high. Yeah, it's like, what do I do now? Like, I can't, you know, if I build another game, you know, it better be number one. It's like, what, what happens now? <laughs> that's well, that's funny you say that because that was one thing I have on my, um, uh, list of questions here. Um, do you intend on continuing to create games? I I see that um you've created a prequel for our Dark Room. Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah. Uh, so the prequel for a Dark Room. Um, have you played uh, the Dark Soul series? Any of the any of the Dark Soul games? Yes, I'm actually a huge uh of the Souls franchise, yes. Demon Souls. I love those games. Oh man, it's it's so much fun. So uh, one thing that I wanted to really explore was uh, have you? So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Of course, um, uh, you know, please stop listening. Buy the game, play it. It takes about an hour, and then you can start listening again. <laughs> All right. So um, in, in a darkroom, there was a there was a kind of like an ASCII based map called a Dusty Path, and uh, I really liked that part of the game. And I wanted to up the difficulty and kind of explore the dusty path and the narrative that I could create around that. So that's yeah. where the that's where the ensign comes in. And a couple of things I wanted to do with the ensign. Uh, so a dark room really really evoked invoked evoked one of those words a lot of emotion uh, with regards to the player. So I wanted to uh, I want to do the same thing with the ensign, but 
do other emotions. So the, the key things that I'm trying to pull out of gamers is I want the casual gamers to understand that they can play quote unquote hardcore games. So, um, it's kind of a bait and switch. The dark room was, I, I won't say casual, but it, it, it was quote unquote easier. And the ensign just turns up the difficulty to dark souls level. And it is, it, it is brutal. It is frustrating. It will make you throw your phone across the room. Um, all those, all <laughs> those different emotions come up, but the narrative's still there and the lore, uh, with regards to the game is, is still there. So I, I tell, I tell the story of what happened before, before a dark room in the ensign through, you know, through a- almost a lore like thing that was in a dark, in a dark souls, but also up the difficulty. So that was that was uh, something that I really wanted to do, and I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, with regards to game development, um, I'm still doing that on and off part time. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's a, it's again crazy. You think you have a number one app, and you could serve, you can retire at the Bahamas. You, you can't. Like I still <laughs> I still uh, I I can work on games maybe like part time. So I'll work, I'll do independent consulting for six months and then I'll do game development for six months if I have an idea that I want to explore. But it's, it's still not to a point where I can reliably say, yeah, I can live off this income. Oh, absolutely. It's just cool that you even have that option though, like the flexibility. Oh yeah. Yeah. Own. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. I'm very happy about that. Cool. Yeah. And well, it's funny. I actually just got a message from my co-host. He's restarting his computer now, so he might join uh, in here in any minute. So <laughs> at one point, we might have to just uh, sync up with him. That's fine. No big deal. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, let's see. Let me think if I can ask any questions in the meantime. Uh, so as far as iOS development, I'm I'm interested in game development. I have a like my foot in it, but I I'm more of on the Android side. What kind of environment did you use, and what was like the primary language and also, since seeing how this game was already already existed and you were going to port it to iOS, what was the initial programming language it was like written in? Okay, cool. So uh, let's let's start with the uh, development environment. Uh, one of the things, so I've done, I'm doing Android development right now. I'm actually porting a darkroom uh, to Android at this at this point. Hope, oh, great! Hopefully, oh man, this is my third attempt at trying to port this port this game over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's, a, it's well. That's the thing. I'm an Android guy, so I wasn't able to play your version yeah. of the Darkroom, which is unfortunate. So I I went on the uh, what is it, the Android play App Store, and somebody had a Darkroom for Android, and it's exactly what you said in a, a previous interview. I think it was either on Get Up and Code or the Entre Programmers. People just take your GitHub repository, wrap it in ads, and then launch it. Oh it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. terrible. That's, it's horrible. Yeah, that's, horrible. That's like so. More morally unethical, like ugh. Yeah, it is frustrating. But you know, the best thing that comes out of the other end is that okay, they'll do that, and then as soon as the port comes out, it's gonna be it's gonna be flawless. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be what you expect from, I guess, the darkroom brand. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to your Android port. But oh continue. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, so the original game was actually HTML, uh, JavaScript, and CSS. That's all it was. So it was all client side, uh, client side, um web stuff so uh and and it is open source for those that really want to learn and get into game development please go on there you know and look at the open source code and try to learn from it i think i think it's an important good learning opportunity to kind of pick apart a game that you enjoy so uh i started uh, originally i started the game in objective c so it was xcode and objective c um and the frustrating part is that uh, you know objective c isn't a terrible language and xcode isn't a terrible ide 
but I came from um, uh, I came from the uh, .NET background. So on Windows, I had Visual Studio, I had uh, C Sharp, and the the language itself and the development ID is just frankly just a lot better. And um, I felt like I was really missing things inside of the uh, inside of the Xcode environment. So I decided to use a another framework called RubyMotion. And what RubyMotion is is it allows you to use any editor that you want. So I'm a Vim Emacs kind of guy. And I like okay. I like really lightweight IDEs or Sublime Text if you like Sublime Text. So it allowed me to use any IDE I want. A lot of the construction and build build assets were all command line based, so it was really simple for me to you know spin up a, the simulator or deploy to the App Store. And then the language itself was Ruby. So Ruby, uh, I felt like Ruby was more in line with what I expect from a language with regards to power and and conciseness and expressiveness. So. The language was Ruby. The cool thing is that when you actually compile the uh, application, it compiles down to LLVM. So it com- completely skips the you know Objective-C part of it. It doesn't translate to Objective-C and then compile that. So this is compiled to native code. And okay. uh, and that was that was really, really nice about um, a, a nice benefit of, of doing it that way. So so the other aspect is that, you know, I thought about doing, oh, I can kind of wrap the game myself. But you know, clean up the UI, make it more accessible to uh, to uh, I guess iOS devices. But uh, it turned out that the performance really wasn't where I wanted it to be. So there are parts of the game that require you know that are pretty fluid with regards to am- animations, especially like the ending game sequence. And those parts just didn't feel fluid enough. That's why I went native for for these applications. Okay, awesome. Yeah, thanks for. Um Explaining that, because, yeah, I feel like I wanted to get a little background on the actual coding and what your environment would be like. But that's really interesting. Not what I was expecting, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm never going back. Like, after after doing RubyMotion, I'm I'm very happy with it. The Android port is actually going to be written in RubyMotion also. So I can re-leverage the engine that I've already built up. And it's just a matter of creating the UI components for all the different layouts and, and uh, whatnot. So it's it's still a lot. It's quite a bit of work to get all the uh, front end stuff looking good, but a lot a lot less in porting it over. Especially if I had to rewrite the entire thing in Java, it's it's much much less than that. Gotcha. All right. So and another thing I noticed you um you're really transparent about this whole a dark room process. Uh, you've you've made an entire kind of developer log of the the entire process. That was I think you said in a previous interview it was like nine thousand lines. Over nine thousand. Oh, oh, over wow, nine thousand. Yeah. I, I I started reading it. I, I I have to be honest. I didn't read the whole thing, but I got pretty far. And wow, was that interesting. And one thing that stood out to me, which was super um, I don't well, not sure if I want to say random, but uh, you were initially gonna include these Nietzsche quotes. Um, I'm just curious, and you said you had accumulated about 200 quotes that you're going to randomly incorporate and just use for the atmosphere of the game. Right. Um, what was your inspiration behind this, and why did you end up not um, putting it in the final version? Right, so the inspiration, well, it, it's kind of how I felt with regards to playing a darkroom. So I'd play the game, and it, it had this like dark, ominous feel, and um, uh, almost it, and I felt Nietzsche, not that he's dark and ominous, but had the same kind of kind of vibe to him uh, with regards to you know the quotes that he would they would have and the just the blatant um, observation of humanity and the darker side of humanity so I, I felt like 
I, I originally wanted to have something to deal with the pacing at the beginning of the game because you stoke the fire and it takes a while for it to kind of get going. And uh, one thing I was really, really worried about is that, especially on on iPhone, we have this need to, I guess, have that instantaneous feedback. And, you know, especially with the games that are that are on uh, iPhone, uh, iOS devices or mobile mobile devices in general. So I wanted something in there to help with the pacing. And uh, it just it got to the point where I did add the quotes in and it I felt that they were really interesting. But when I play tested with other people, they they just got really confused with these random quotes showing up and how that was part of the narrative. So, yeah. And, and at that point I was like, well, okay, I see what, I see where they're coming from. I see where the quotes can disturb while the, while the, I guess the theme of the quotes was good. It did affect the narrative where, you know, you see a random quote come up and it, they weren't entirely understanding how that correlated to the actual game they were playing. So, I see. Yeah, so I ripped the quotes out, uh, uh, the quotes out, but it did inspire some of the some of the uh, direction I wanted to take the uh, the port. Oh, absolutely, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So let's see here. The, well, let's talk about the success this game got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how was the whole transition period from being oh I ported this game, it's it's doing okay, like what you're expecting to all of a sudden it's number one. Like, what was the transition period, and what was uh, your thought process? Okay, so the the game went uh, viral in the UK first. So uh, it was the number number eight hundred ranked eight hundred a thousand in the app store. So you know it was just nothing in the in the app store. And over literally two days. <laughs> It hits the number one spot in the UK, and oh wow, yeah, it happened overnight. There was there was no warning whatsoever, and uh, when that happened, we got uh, I guess about five thousand downloads in the UK, and uh, yeah, y- y- your brain starts going, oh man, if I make five thousand dollars a day, and you know, you start doing all this calculator stuff, not thinking about whether it would all actually just disip- you know stay there. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, this is the best thing in the world, and uh, it was it was. It was pretty pretty surreal just just to hit the number one spot in the UK, and then we got a barrage of one star reviews. Um, so it, it definitely is a cultural thing. Um, we've hit the number one spot in Australia, Singapore, uh, the UK, um, I think Germany, uh, the United States, Canada, and out of all the all the different um, different spots we hit, uh, we hit UK seems to be the most negative with regards to at least text-based games. And it's just really weird. Uh, when we hit the number one spot, about 33% of our reviews were one-star reviews saying that, you know, we conned, we conned everyone. We gamed the app store in some way to create this like crappy game and <laughs> hit the number one spot. And it was just really, that's, yeah, it was a mental, like, holy crap, they're calling my baby ugly. And you know, this yeah, makes me very cool. sad. Yeah. That's not cool. Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's it's particularly interesting that it hits number one in the UK, and yet they're the most critical. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I don't know what caused it, and when it got to that number one spot, it, they were extremely, extremely critical of the game. And, um, you know, I mean, I understand their perspective, too. Like, I try to empathize as much as I can with them, saying that, you know, you, you buy an app and it's always a crapshoot, whether you're going to get something that's actually decent or whether it's going to be, you know, a play to, a pay to win or all those other aspects. So I understand where they're coming from. And with smaller app stores, it's actually easier to game the app store uh, based on the size. But, um, but yeah, that was extremely su- su- surprising. So from an emotional standpoint, uh, that really affected me, the one-star reviews. But you get used to it. Uh, I think that's one thing that I've learned throughout this entire process is that 
when change occurs in your life, um, no matter how dramatic it is, you will eventually get used to it and then it'll just be okay afterwards. But that transition period is is rough, is rough at times. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Well, the whole thing with this podcast, I, I was nervous about even launching a podcast and we've so far have just received a lot of positive feedback, but I'm, I'm positive that down the road, we're going to get the negative feedback and I have to be... um mentally prepared for that because it's just, yeah, I don't want to get that feeling of, Oh, I suck. And these people don't like me and I should just stop doing this because there are the people that do enjoy it. So that's what I mean. I'm sure like the, your game is number one for a reason. Tons of people love it. Yeah. So it's that the good outweighs the bad for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a, a part of it's an imposter syndrome. You know, you see that success and you're like, Oh, uh, maybe do I deserve it? You know, I just ported the game over Michael's the, you know, true mastermind behind the game. And, you know, all these other all these other thoughts go through your head. But then you start thinking about, well, you know, I added the storyline. I made it so flawless on the device. You know, I've done a prequel and that's done extremely well. And that that has high reviews. So it's it's a battle of, you know, imposter syndrome and then just not feeling good enough, I guess. And then seeing those bad reviews, it, you know, it all comes together. But then time will time and just getting more of that will actually help. So I would say, yeah, those people that hate the podcast, just go ahead and, you know, it's like a bandage. Let's just rip it off, you know. Just start, just start saying terrible things right now, so you can get used to it, Doug. Yeah, <laughs> I like that advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, awesome. Because then, because you'll get used to it, and then w- once you're once you're a phenomenal number one pop ca- podcast, you're it, it's done, right? The criticism is just going to roll off. <laughs> yeah, nice, awesome. That's great advice. <laughs> so, so uh, when we hit the number one spot in the, uh, we were on our way to the number one spot in the U.S. App Store, and just recently I figured out that there is no correlation between the U.K. App Store and the U uh, and the U.S. climb. Initially, I yeah. thought I thought that the U.K. App Store kind of you know pushed the U.S. App Store to where it was, but um, back in December, uh, the U.K. the the app became number one again in the U.K. and uh, that trend didn't carry over to the u.s so that was my initial theory it's like oh if you hit the number one spot in the uk you have a good chance of hitting the number one spot in the u.s that's not the case so okay so i'm that's good to know yeah so i'm still like i have no idea <laughs> what's <laughs> what's happening but um but there's some cyc- cyclical nature right now and i guess we'll find out in another year if it hits the number one spot in the uk again but we we were climbing in the u.s app store and then the the number one thing that was terrifying to me was that we're going to hit the number one spot and we're going to see the same thing we saw in the UK. We're going to see a barrage of one star reviews. Um, um, and you know, I'm going to get death threats and all these bad <laughs> things are going to happen. But uh, we hit the number one spot and the reviews were actually nine to one good. So I was really, really happy about that. There were still reviews that said, Oh, this is a scam. But, um, uh, over 90% of the reviews were were very positive so i was i was surprised to see that and then the same thing happened in australia canada uh germany all those places had were overwhelmingly positive awesome so, yeah and it's funny that yeah i always thought there would be some kind of correlation between the various app stores across the different countries like how did you how did you know, say, that um, you you were the number one app in Australia or Germany or the UK? I feel like, uh, is that just you have some kind of way to weigh those metrics? Uh, it's appannie.com. So I use, okay. I use AppAnnie and uh, they, they have a free analytics thing. And uh, I just, uh, they basically keep ta- track of all public daily ranks. So you can tell like, oh, how am I trending with regard in, you know, each one of these different different countries. 
So, uh, oh, wow. That's, that sounds like a really good service and yeah. any developers who make apps might want to check that out. So yeah, it's really good. Notes. Yeah. It's a really good service. Um, you know, the, the other aspect of the, is that they are getting your download data, but, uh, from that, okay. from that perspective, you know, I'm, I'm making this stuff public anyways. I don't, I don't really care if they have my download data. Um, that's why I made, that's why I was so public with regards to the number of downloads, my revenue, all those things, because I'm trying to educate as many developers as I possibly can. And, you know, that's the most important part for me. Definitely. And, you, um, do you actually do any like teaching? I see you do a lot of, uh, lectures and kind of, um, public speaking and stuff. Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah. So I do a lot of public speaking. I try to be involved in the community as much as I can. And um, I'm actually doing uh, Twitch streams also. So every Sunday night, I'll do a uh, 6.30 Central Time. I'll do a Twitch stream on oh, cool. some some gaming thing. So right now I'm working with uh, one of my friends. He's actually just started to get back. Uh, he changed careers and is currently in computer science courses. So we're building a game together live on, on Twitch. So um, it's just, you know, it's just a way I can give back, um, for lack of a better term. But um, I do the public speaking still, and then I do uh, Twitch streams. So uh, I can give you a link to that if you want to put that in your show oh, notes too. Totally. I, I, it's funny. I probably would tune in tonight, but I'm doing a second episode of the podcast. So I'll, I'll definitely uh, have to uh, <laughs> like, subscribe it. or yeah, tune into your, your Twitch stream because that sounds cool. And what, what got you interested in the whole uh, Twitch, I guess, platform? I know it's, it's gr- pretty popular. And do you have kind of a following on there, or is it just like uh, a, a – a new thing. Yeah, it's a new thing. I just started doing it. Um, with regards to with regards to Twitch, um, you know, I, I saw there there was actually a game development channel on Twitch, which is really cool. Uh, but I went on there and I would just see people looking at screens. There was no specific interaction, and they would they would be development. And there's there's it's only so interesting to watch someone you know look at a screen and go, hmm, what does that do, right? So I went, <laughs> I wanted to do something definitely more interactive and uh, that's why I said, well, let me try doing a Twitch stream. Let me have a co-host and and try to make it at least, you know, entertaining, fun to watch and still you learn something from that. So that's why I was like, okay, this is this is a uh, uh experience that I can give to another person that's different than what's already what's already up there. Definitely. No, that sounds exactly like right up my alley. So hopefully some of our listeners are thinking the same thing. So hopefully you'll get some new uh, streamers. Yep. Yeah. Go Come on, heckle me. Uh, you know, shoot, <laughs> shoot the ball. We've had, we, we have a, you know, probably anywhere from five to 20 people show up. And so it's really small compared relative to like the tens of thousands of people that watch, you know, League of Legends or Starcraft or any one of those other things. But, sure. you know, it's, it's, it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. I'll definitely check that out. Um, so speaking of games, since you, you have your, um, foot in the door with that stuff, what, what were some of your favorite, uh, systems and games like growing up? Oh, man. Okay. So, oh, mine, this is a long history. <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. So, you know, for, first gaming system was Atari. Um, uh, I would say my first game was Dig Dug. So I played, uh, Dig Dug a whole lot. Um, uh, got got Pac Man. That was that was fun. Uh, there was this there was this other game. Uh, it was like a cops and robbers game. I think it was okay. probably called like cops and robbers. And that was all on Atari. And then uh, I got a I got a Nintendo NES, um, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. Um, <laughs> uh, I love those games. Like it's all n- nostalgia at this point, right? Teeny Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, two, 
uh, those were probably the most most memorable games. Then I got the then you know I convinced my parents to please please buy me an SN, uh, SNES. Uh, I had a Genesis also, and then I got the uh, the Sega Genesis, um, not the what's it called Sega CD. But I gave I returned that and then got the PlayStation and then Nintendo 64, GameCube. Uh, then I got the three uh, Xbox, <laughs> yeah. PlayStation 2, 360. Uh, you know I've got I pretty much have all the systems. Um, that is awesome. When I was growing up, and then and you know I had the next gen console, so I had the 360, the PS3, and the Wii, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed games. So I've grown I've grown up with with games around me, um, and it, it's just always a joy to think about you know all the all the fond memories i have with regards to playing video games and then on on pc i had um starcraft that was my that was my big big game and then starcraft 2 awesome um sweet yeah yeah so one thing one thing uh i guess that's worth mentioning was that when i went on my like learning sabbatical or sabbatical i actually sold everything i sold all my consoles uh, that was oh wow yeah that was extremely painful because because I wanted to focus I went, I knew that if I didn't do that I I just you know sit in sit <laughs> in my room and just play video games all day so um, that was some I, I wanted it wasn't really for the money but I wanted to say okay I'm committed to learning you know iOS I'm committed to doing doing these other things so I'm going to sell everything and I sold I sold go gave away you know donated. All my systems, all my games, uh, my PC, like my gaming PC, I call it a Nintendo. Donated that and just kind of really pared down to just a laptop. So that was that was one of those things where it was difficult to get rid of that. But you know, it focused and it allowed me to focus, and then I could build games instead of just playing them. So it was it was it was good in the long run. Definitely. Um, and you mentioned a uh, sabbatical. I, I, for me, I'm not really familiar with the term. I think I've Googled it, but um, what exactly is that? Um, it's it's basically rage quitting from what you're doing right now and doing something else for uh, an extended period of time. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, that's that's the short version, right? <laughs> that's what I got from the context clues, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just a way to say, okay, you know, I've uh, I've reached a point in my life where, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm in a rut, but you know, I, I've hit a routine and I need to disconnect from who I am and just try to rediscover, rediscover myself in some way. So for me, yeah. so for me, for some people it's traveling for other people, it's maybe doing community work. For me, it was just, I guess, turning internally and rethinking what I enjoy about my craft and what do I, what do I enjoy about software development and uh, really, really searching for that. So that's, that's why I took the sabbatical for myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, I definitely, from that definition, I think that sounds like something every software developer should at least consider at some point in their career. Because, yeah, I mean, just to be able to really hone down on what you want to accomplish and what you're trying to do and see if there's a more efficient way to go about that. Right. And, I, you know, I enjoyed software development. I enjoyed the development I was doing. You know, it was website development, services, all the all the cool, quote unquote, corporate stuff that you would do. But then, mm -hmm. but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm sometimes around people that enjoy what they're doing. But more often than not, I'm just around people that just go to work and then clock out and then don't think about this stuff. So that mm -hmm. so that was really, really um, you know, bothering me. And that's why I said, let me let me disconnect from this environment before I burn out myself and then try try something else for a little bit. 
That makes sense. All right. Well, all right. One second. Let me give you a little update on what's going on with AJ. <laughs> he's blowing, he's blowing up my phone on Slack here. Uh, he's saying his computer isn't working at all now. It's getting, he's got issues with network controls and a firewall and he thinks it was a bad update and he's trying to do a system restore and he's having a <laughs> terrible time. So I, I just have a feeling he's not even going to join and sync up with us. And, but the sad thing is he's supposed to be on tonight's episode as well. So hopefully you can figure this out by then. But I, I figured I'd give listeners an, an update if they're waiting. When's AJ going to hop AJ in? When's AJ going in? <laughs> yeah. But, um, that's, well, I've, this has been a great interview so far. I, I definitely wanted to ask you, uh, a couple more things, but before we get to that, I, would you be interested in playing a conversation game? Let's do it. All right. Awesome. This one's, um, it's for two players, so it's kind of easy, but the game is called 10 questions. Okay. I'll give you a little background on how to play. So, and the thing is, we don't play this too often because it's not necessarily the easiest game to play. But if, for instance, if I'm able to think of something that I think is relatively obscure, but not so obscure that it's impossible to think of, I will give you a category and then you have 10 questions, yes or no questions to narrow down and make guesses to see if you can think of the thing I'm give of what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. So... The category for this uh, game is going to be video game consoles. So it's it's definitely in the you're capable of narrowing this down. Right. But I want to see what your questions are going to be. So whenever you're ready, I'm um, I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. Um, is it made by Nintendo? <laughs> no. So that was a good one. Is it handheld? No. Oh, already we're getting you. You know all the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> so narrowing it down. Good. Um, uh. Is it made by the evil empire Microsoft? No. Okay. Um, uh, was it was it made before ninety nine? Oh, now I must look that up. I I really think it was. In fact, I'm I can almost positively say yes. But let me just double check here. Ah, so it's close to ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of. Uh, let me see here. Uh. I'm not going to tell you when it came out, but it was, yes, you asked, was it before 99? Yes. All right, before 99. So I'm at four now? Uh, Let me double check here. Um, Yes, four. you have six questions left. All right, six questions left. All right, so before 99. Um, is it made by Sony? No. Okay, ooh. Oh, nice. So at the halfway mark and you're still not sure. This is good. This is good. <laughs> it's better than you guessing it on the first question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, man, is it, it's not Sega, is it? It's not, is it made by Sega? It is. Okay. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. All right. So Sega, uh, circa 99. Um, man, was, was the Sega CD around that time? It's uh, close, right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're getting you're getting really warm. So yeah. let me make sure that one second, I'll do some little research here. <laughs> You're supposed to know this man. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> I just, I just rely heavily on Wikipedia and Google. That's our whole podcast. 
Um, I'm assuming hmm. I'm assuming it's not Sega CD at this point. Yes, um, I'm gonna say no to that. Yeah. All right. So it's not Sega CD. Um, man, was a 3DO made by Sega? I'm. This that's not a question. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, sure. Man. Wow. This is this is tough. It's n- it's not the Game Gear because it's not handheld. Uh, no, right exactly that's right yeah no that's a good deduction i was uh, it was funny because that was in the running of what i was going to use as my final right uh answer but nope that's not it uh was that a question or no no no, no i was just thinking i was thinking because <laughs> yeah, i already I think so it, i thought right? so <laughs> yeah no that's fair um man i'm trying to think of other consoles that uh is it sega saturn it is yes there we go <laughs> yes nice <laughs> that's what i mean i feel like that one goes under the the radar a lot of the time i was expecting you to do some genesis guesses or dream yeah dreamcast was another one i was like well you know like it was sega cd sega saturn came around playstation standpoint at a time you know that was one of those things that was like kind of there so yep yeah awesome well i'm glad we could play yes yeah, you're a winner so awesome <laughs> That was fun. That was good. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, then I think I'm going to wrap this one up here. I just wanted to ask you a few last couple questions. Sure. Um, if you could give our listeners your best piece of advice, what would it be? Or like if you have any kind of tips for um, aspiring developers or game developers, what would you particularly yep, want to definitely. put in your ears? Uh, I heard you cut off. Are you still there? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I lose you? No, I, I think uh, I think it was just a little bit of the sound quality stuff. But let me—I okay. uh, I got the gist of the question. Um, so this will be, you know, a little long, but I, I really think it's important. So one thing, one thing is that you know when I did take my sabbatical and I took a I took a good 14, 15 months off. Uh, this wasn't just like a off the cuff decision. Um, there was a really strong, I guess, foundation that I had already built. So you know, I went to college, um, I graduated without debt, and I and I saved pretty much every dime I possibly could um, for, for a good eight-year period. So, I mean, think of, think about that, that, you know, it took, it took me a good seven, eight years to actually build up a savings and build up a nest egg that I could actually dig into. Because the worst thing you can do to yourself is graduate, you know, go to college or not go to college, graduate, and then just buy a house car and rack up your credit card debt. You, you just don't want to do that. So sure. just... Just be really, really, you know, be a steward of your money. Be really frugal because, you know, you'll you'll get older and you think you know everything right now. But then when you get older, you'll find that you wish you did a lot of things differently. So don't make those mistakes initially and build that foundation so that when you are older and more mature, you can really think about where you want to go from there. So I think that's extremely, extremely important. And then and then after that, uh, you have to really think about what it what you want to get out of life so for me you know it was it was just just being successful or you know getting a nice title at, at my work but then that changed to doing more just doing meaningful work work that actually meant something to me even though it wasn't important to anyone else and uh, once you've once you've got the money thing you know resolved you can really start thinking about what what is meaningful to you without thinking about whether I can, whether it can generate income. So for me, it was game development. I'm sure a lot of game developers out there feel the same way that they feel like they're doing meaningful work. And uh, when you're doing that meaningful work, don't, don't compromise. That's one thing that we were really strong about not doing with the dark room was there were no ads, no in-app purchases. We didn't want to compromise on the experience 
regardless of, you know, what it would bring us in. There were moments of weakness where I would say, hey, let's let's try and end that purchase. But Michael was, you know, pretty, pretty steadfast on that. And that was really important to me uh, that he was there throughout the process. But don't compromise on what you feel is is that is that perfect, meaningful work that you're looking for. And then, you know, after you do it, if you make money, that's great. Uh, but at least you have, you've got something that means more than money. And um, uh, time is time is something that's so much more important than anything else. So just those things you have to just keep in mind and, you know, chase the dollar enough to where it lets you do, it lets you buy time later on. And uh, then you can do re- what you really, really care about. Oh, that was phenomenal advice. I, I, I seriously, I, that really resonated with me. And I think it should with a lot of our listeners. And as particularly when you spoke earlier about working in a typical software development environment, um, where your, the, your coworkers, uh, they kind of just go there, they do the grind and go home and don't think about it. There's like a big difference when everyone on your team has like this, this burning passion for what you're trying right. to accomplish. So I think that really is what separates and, and makes game development so much more exciting and, uh, you get something out of it. So, uh, Really appreciate your your input and for coming on the show today. No problem. Uh, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know we mentioned your Twitch channel. Um, anything else like current projects or anything along those lines, or if there's a place that listeners can reach out to you? Oh, uh, really? You know, just you know, please go to my blog. You know, read up on it. Read up on iPhone development. Just kind of you know, I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has. And uh, yeah, just download a darkroom. That's really everything else. Pretty much download a darkroom in the ends, and everything else I just provide freely as just knowledge for for all the listeners so if you you know like what i say or enjoy the blog entry just you know buy the game and you'll enjoy that too so that's really all i have yeah. <laughs> awesome and yeah i'm looking forward to the android uh yep. version your your android version that is yes <laughs> and yeah everyone <laughs> listeners just keep be aware there are uh clones out there that are wrapped with ads and have the in-app purchases don't play those games they're it's just it's they're stealing work and you don't want to support that yep. so definitely uh, wait, wait for the the official Android release. I'll be I'll be right there with you. Awesome, <laughs> appreciate. That. All right, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, thanks for playing the game, and um, hopefully, maybe we'll have you back down the road. Awesome, see ya. All right, take care.